line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone joining us tonight, uh, you know, via iTunes, wherever, you can also find us on Skype, Stitcher, literally everywhere. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. We will be covering a lot of Red Sox related topics tonight, as well as some MLB wide hot stove. Yankees got Garrett Cole. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Also touch on the Angels uh, signing Anthony Rendon. Uh, Joining me tonight is two new permanent co-hosts, starting first with Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, sir? Not doing too bad. Uh, Not a very eventful week. We'll get into that, but you're going to be with us basically full-time throughout the 2019 season on the Sunday show, so we're happy to have you. I'm very happy to be joining. I'm super, super excited to uh, discuss all things Red Sox-related, cause some commotion, and get some emotion out of uh, hopefully some people who are going to be participating in comments and whatnot. So should we good? I'm usually the guy that extracts the emotions, usually negative ones and all kinds of hate tweets. But also joining us tonight, this will basically be his first regular show. Jason Kelly will be with us. You'll be on the midweek show. Uh, covering, you know, whatever series wraps up, usually on the Wednesday or Thursday. So it's good to have you. Why don't you uh, get the audience a little familiar with you, Jason? Sure. Yeah. Um, I am. Uh, I'm from Boston, obviously, born and raised here. Um, and obviously, lifelong, lifelong Red Sox fan. I work in tech, so I do a lot of stuff with mobile apps and social media and stuff. So that allows me to be on Twitter a lot and see um, – Yankee fans chirping and Red Sox fans chirping back at them. And it's always fun to join in that little fray sometimes. So I'm excited to have a uh, another forum to be able to do that right here. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to Twitter. I, I used to think Twitter was stupid. You know, I was a Facebook guy and I looked at the Twitter app and I'm like, this is well, I'm trying not to swear anymore. It comes out and if it comes out for you guys, you know. So be it. But uh, I'm like, this is stupid. This app, it's it's dumb. I, I don't know how to use it. And I didn't touch it again for like five years. And I, I deeply regret that. But I could almost like on a job application, you know, where do you live? And, you know, just write Twitter. And uh, there you go. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely good to have you guys. So we'll uh, just dive right into it. And at the beginning of the week, I tweeted out 
I said High and Bloom's primary goal by the end of the week is to not still have Dave Dombrowski's baseball team. And he still has Dave Dombrowski's baseball team. One minor addition, we'll get to that. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on just the week in general? As far as the Red Sox go, plenty of excitement elsewhere. But as far as the Red Sox, you know, little disappointment that's still nothing. Yeah, as far as the Red Sox are concerned, it's been a snooze fest. I mean, there's literally been nothing except for Jose Peraza, which isn't exactly uh, going to light the city on fire. So, yeah, it's it's been just dull, and I'm shocked that they haven't done more. I'll, I'll say this. While Jose Peraza isn't necessarily a Jose who? We, we know who he is. We know what he can do. He had a, a much more productive year. Um, I want to say like 2018. 2019 was just kind of like the Red Sox, a disaster. Just nothing went right for him. So maybe a change of scenery will be good. But honestly, like I'm not expecting the Red Sox to be major um, buyers this year only because of the Albatross contracts that they've got this year. You've got still David Pro who's in the contract talks you've or uh potential trade rumors you got uh sale who got a ridiculous contract extension um and the impending question with uh mookie betts what to do with him so i wasn't expecting anything crazy but you know at least our name is out there (laughs) yeah and uh the one name that apparently attracted the most uh interest of anyone is David Price, and I guess of the other names that we could have traded, you know, Mookie Betts, obviously he's been the elephant in the room, you know, for the last couple of months. You know, Bradley could be on the trade block, but arguably, if we do kind of want to win, wouldn't David Price be the biggest contributor to that, assuming our pitching needs to be better than last year (laughs) yeah i mean if he's if he's healthy sure um the first half of last season he was incredibly valuable i mean he was a true number two behind chris sale um and was you know pitching consistently and kept his mouth shut and then he got hurt and then he picked a fight with eckersley and then his second half was a disaster it was a total train wreck on and off the field so yeah, he does help you win if he can stay healthy and stay consistent, but how can you trust David Price at this point to do either of those things? And honestly, I, as much as I don't want to see pitchers going out the door for this team because we need pitching help, uh, him I would not mind. If you've got teams that are interested in a 34-year-old who's a pain in the ass who can't stay healthy, then I think you got to make a deal because it's it's not working here. He hates you. You hate him. It's, it's not working. Just make a deal i i think when it comes to players that are going to make the biggest impact for the red sox terry you, you absolutely make a, a great point you know uh david price is proven um you know he's got over two thousand innings logged in the league hard to find few hard to find any pitchers with uh quality that have done that and, and done more work but uh, David Price, after signing that ridiculous contract exceeding $200 million, hasn't really lived up to it. I mean, he had one great year, but there was a lot of miles on that arm. 
and he's always done really well in small market teams. He did really well at the Trop. He did well in Toronto, did okay in Detroit. But as soon as it came to Boston, it was one solid year. And don't get me wrong, people gave him a lot of crap because it wasn't a fantastic year. He still shelled over 200 innings, did great work. And then the injuries and I think the age, the Eckersley issue, um, the sit your dare, you know, sit your behind down and all that fun stuff. And at this point, a change of scenery would probably be best for both parties, both for the Red Sox and for Bryce. Um, the Red Sox right now are not built to win, um, for multiple reasons. And, uh, uh, Trading away David Price would only signal the beginning of what I think is going to be a uh, rebuild mode. Do you guys get the impression that ownership just wants to get rid of this guy? You know, and not necessarily for the on the field. Well, a little bit maybe with the on the field because he played hooky last year. I think at least twice against the Yankees, maybe even a third time. So that's a little bit annoying. But you have the off the field drama and... I just feel like maybe early in the 28th season when the Carpal Tunnel Fortnite controversy happened, I think ownership was just like, this guy is just not working out here. Like, he is just not fit for this market. And I just, I think that's a huge motivator. His ERA in the uh, four years he's pitched is... 381 and I think you could make the case that he could be a potential bounce back candidate especially if they go back to normal baseballs and some of these guys can pitch the contact without worrying about you know a, a routine pop fly going over the fence and so the fact that his numbers aren't terrible and they want to trade him and possibly even eat money I mean what does that say about how they feel about him? Yeah, it, it, to me, it says they're they're sick of him, just like we are. So, so, yeah, thanks thanks for helping us win a World Series. Thanks for finally getting over that hump. But you're a pain in the neck, and we would actually rather pay you to go away than pay you your full salary to stay here. So, yeah, just yeah, yeah exactly. Just don't let the uh, don't let your your wrist you know bother you anymore here. Go let it bother you somewhere else. I mean, I, I play Fortnite. I'm not great. I know I play with a couple kids that are pretty good. Um, I honestly do not know how much Fortnite you'd have to play to get carpal. T- I mean, my wrist hurts just from waving. So maybe you get a carpal tunnel or some kind of wrist injury from playing too much Fortnite. But there's got to be something else going on. Um, and I. You can attribute it to mileage, you know, a lot, a lot of work and he's on the wrong side of 30. Something's got to give and you're picking fights with the wrong people. I, I hate to bring this up again because I've beat it to death the last couple of years, but I think the carpal tunnel thing was just, they had to say something, you know, he was ducking out of a Yankee start and everybody knew he was going to get shelled if he made the start. And I was looking forward to it. As much as I love to see the team win, I love seeing David Price suffer, being a hater. And, you know, we were, you know, obviously in May, the division isn't locked up, but we were feeling pretty good regardless. And they send him to New York right away. Uh, Excuse me, we were in New York. They send him to Boston right away. And I forget what the problem was. 
I don't know what the initial injury was, but when he gets to Boston, they had the shoulder looked at, they had the elbow looked at, they had the hand looked at. Like they left no stone unturned. And I think I think that was like the Red Sox message to you know, to him saying, We're getting right to the bottom of this and there's gonna be no excuses when you come back. And I don't think they found anything. I think they found that he was fine. And they couldn't say that though. So carpal tunnel became oh, he has carpal tunnel. That's what it was all along. And and you know, and, and that that's what it was. David Price is a is a guy who's used to getting his way. He's used to calling the shots and I, I I think the Red Sox were were basically, you know, taking that away from him. They're like, you know, like I said, we're getting to the bottom of this and you know, if everything comes back, you're going to play ball, and, and that's the way it is. And then he does come back that next Saturday. He pitched a gym in Toronto, which happens to be one of his best ballparks. But I think the the carpal tunnel thing was a, was a giant sham. It probably was, yeah. I mean, x-rays can't reveal that he's, you know, a wuss bag who didn't want to face the Yankees because he knew he was going to get his lips ripped off. <laughs> so he wanted to wait and pitch in the Rogers Center. So, yeah, I mean, it probably was an excuse, but it just snowballed from there because this guy has so many issues to start with that, you know, something like that, it's it's bound to just get worse and worse. So, you know, this year, if he does come back, it'll be another, you know, random injury that he bags out of a Yankees game or an Astros game or something with, you know, it's just it, it's just going to keep going. I'm trying to look up right now. What is his record against the Yankees for his career? It was. I'm trying to find. It was okay before he got to Boston, but then when he got to Boston, his ERA in Yankee Stadium was almost double digits. <laughs> That's what it was because I don't remember him being bad. It, it was when he became a member of the Red Sox. I and I. And I genuinely feel as there are some players that can play in big market teams. The pressure does not bother them. You have the Mike Trouts. You have the Mookie Betts out there. But a player like this, it's it's not like Chuck Knobloch getting the yips bad. It's a weird kind of emotional, kind of like Zach Greinke, who has like anxiety, where he can do everything right. Because David Price is not a bad pitcher. He is a good pitcher. And if he goes to another team, a la Cincinnati, Chicago, uh, the White Sox, not the Cubs, because there's a little bit more pressure to pay, uh, play over there, I think he's going to do very well. And I think if you put him in a National League team where every ninth out should be a strikeout, I think David Price could find a resurgence for his career. And this could be a great opportunity for a team out there that is trying to build a contender against Cincinnati's doing that right now. Buy low, have some of that contract chewed up, have someone who can display, for the lack of a better term, leadership, uh, and definitely someone that can eat innings and get the job done. I think he could do it. I think he could do great things in Cincinnati. That's an interesting team, and they're extremely unpredictable with the moves that they've made. So I could definitely see that. I could see the Padres or the Dodgers, you know, the Padres mm-hmm. didn't seem to get too, too caught up in the, in the, you know, winter meetings as far as pitching went, but he does have a connection with the Dodgers with Friedman, who was the Tampa GM. So 
little bit of history there. Angels, we'll get to them in a little bit, but there's the Joe Madden connection. Their rotation is just straight garbage. They haven't even replaced the guy who, you know, died of a drug overdose. Um, there's a connection with Atlanta with Alex Anthopoulos. He, you know, he was with the uh, Jays when he acquired uh, Price from the Tigers. So some connections there. The Reds are an interesting possibility. The Rangers have checked in. Uh, Jason, who do you think a, a couple good dance partners? If you had to pick two teams, who would you go with? I think the leaders in the clubhouse are probably San Diego and the Rangers. Um, the Rangers seem aggressive about wanting to add pitching, um, and they, they've actually been in on pretty much everyone. Every big-name free agent, the, the Rangers, they've come up. Um, they were in on Strasburg. They are even in on Cole a little bit. So they've they've been aggressive. They want to add pitching because they know they desperately need it. Um, I think San Diego though is the leading. Like they're they're probably the best match for David Price because it's a big ballpark. It's a you know West Coast team. It's not a big market team. Um, you know they need some some veteran pitching in that rotation. I think they've got guys that they're wanting to deal with too. You know they. There was talk about them dealing Will Myers. Um, not that I'm a big Will Myers guy, but if you can get someone like that back who can he can play first base, he can play a little bit of the outfield, he's not terrible. Um, so that would be a good good mix for them. Um, I think either San Diego or the Rangers is where he should go. Those are good picks. Charlie? Um, I, you know, I was thinking about Cincinnati. The Reds have already made a couple of additions. They added uh, Moose. They added, uh, well, Peraz is gone. He's now here. Um, They've already started making a couple of little tweaks. But you look at the team that they had last year, and I'm really focusing on two, three players that could really – could really blossom in 2020 and beyond. So you have Jesse Winkler, who a lot of people were high on before the season started. I, I drafted Winkler in fantasy baseball and thought, I got one of the bag boys. And it started off really great, and then the wheels kind of fell off. But it could have been just kind of the the, the rookie slump as opposed to sophomore slump. There's um, uh, Nick, I think it's Nick Senzel who's there, who's another player that a lot of people were high on. Uh, who came up the farm and just really lit it up. And then there was, uh, is it Aquino? He has a really unique name. So Aristides Aquino, who blew up and I believe set the record for the most number of home runs in X amount. I think he had like nine or eight home runs in 10 games. This guy was clubbing him out like it was a like a wiffle ball game. They don't have the highest payroll. So just just checking, the, the Reds last year, 2019 had a payroll of 126 million. That's like you know half of the Red Sox. Uh, just kidding, but it's it's a fraction of what it could be. And adding David Price could be interesting. It it doesn't seem that far fetched because I feel like the Reds in that division there there's really only a couple teams that are are going to be competition. The Pirates are the Pirates, so that's that. Um, they've traded away everything that was good. The Cubs will be relevant kind of maybe uh cardinals always for some odd reason seem to be relevant um brewers i think could be good again but if the reds add a couple of trade chips that could be interesting 
I've never been a fan of the Padres, never liked them. I think they have a great baseball park. It's great if you want to have a family experience, not if you want to see a baseball game. There are a couple of players on the team that I can't stand, um, but also partially because I can't stand their general manager there. I think Preller is a joke. Um, could he blossom in San Diego? Maybe. It could happen because if he becomes the the – one of the starters there, he won't assume the number one spot. So maybe he could blossom in the two spot. I'll say Reds one, Padres two. Well, the Reds, you make a good point. I mean, the division isn't really settled. I don't think the Cubs are going to really do anything. And I, I think they're very much in a in a situation like the Red Sox. They're going to kind of look at this as a transitional year. They're hoping to cash in on uh, Chris Bryant as soon as his grievance with the uh, union gets, uh, or his grievance against the Cubs gets resolved with the union arbiter. And, uh, you know, the I think the Cardinals are going to be good. I think they're going to add, uh, I think they got a very good rotation as it is. Could be a good Mookie team. Like, that's a team that could use Mookie bats. I, I don't know if they'll get in on those sweepstakes, but... But yeah, so I mean the the NL Central, I mean the Reds could certainly be a be a force there. And I think with the Padres, there's a lot of pressure to to finally, you know, contend and the Rockies are taking a step back and you know, the Dodgers are obviously going to be good, but um but they should, you know, at least put themselves in a position to compete for a wild card and I think they definitely need a starter, you know, in the form of someone, even if it's not David Price. You know, Hunjin Ryu is still out there, who's kind of an an attractive buy low option, and a couple other guys as well. But, but yeah, I just i I think the Dodgers could probably use him, even though they're looking at Bumgarner. It's just tough. There's a lot of teams that are going to compete this year, and I I think the American League is also going to be a little bit more competitive. Like we basically knew which five teams there were going to be last year, and I I think the Indians are going to get back in the race. I think Oakland's still going to be there. Who knows with the Angels? But um, I just I think more teams are gonna are going to be a little uh, competitive. So. Uh, one other piece of news today, uh, Rick Porcello has signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Dumpster Fire Mets. Um, Jason, what are your thoughts on that? Like, and start off by saying, you know, where, where are you with Porcello? Like, were you a Porcello guy? Like, and then, and then, yeah. I was, I was sort of a Porcello guy. I know that's a little bit of a cop out answer, but like I wasn't fully in on him. But I did appreciate his dependability in the fact that like you knew every five days he was going to take the ball, he was going to go out there and give you at least five six innings. Now you don't know what kind of five six innings you're going to get. He might give up five runs in the first, and then you know just kind of cruise the rest of the way. I mean that's kind of what it was. But at least he was he, he went out there and competed. You know, he was the antithesis to David Price in that way. So I appreciated him for that. Um, but I'm I'm glad that he's gone. I'm glad that the Red Sox didn't 
you know, try to bring him back on a make good deal like this. Um, as far as his new landing spot, the Mets, I mean, it, it, good luck. Uh, he's now going to be pitching in probably the toughest division in baseball. And that is not a very good team over there in New York. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do. Uh, he might have a little bit of a bounce back year, but yeah, ultimately I saw that deal. And I said, you know what? Good for him. I'm, I'm glad he got his money. He's, you know, he's trying to do a make good deal, trying to bounce back. We'll see what happens, but, uh, I'm not going to miss him terribly. Yeah. Oh, please pick me. Oh, please pick me. Go ahead, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank God he is gone. This was one of the first mistakes that ownership did was give this bum four years and over $80 million. I'm so glad that he's gone. When I heard $10 million New York, I said, oh, my God, we don't have to deal with that BS again. Granted, Yes. Absolutely correct. Every five days, you knew he was going to give you at least six innings and probably no less than seven runs allowed, which was my biggest issue with with poor Sello. You knew that two to three of the first batters he faced were probably going to score, which kind of set the team up for failure. Last year, I was adamant, and I said this with Terry, and I forget who was it I was with, but I said I would take Erod over Porcello, and I was the only one that said that. I'm so glad that he's gone. I, I I bought absolutely no shares of Rick Porcello last year. Rick Porcello was the younger, not as sexy version of Josh Beckett, who had one good year followed by a crap year, one good year followed by a crap year. And I'm, I'm looking at it. Last year, 14 and 12, didn't do great. His ERA was over 5.5. That's so bad. Give me the ball, coach. Let me go in there. You, I have just as good a chance to do as good, maybe better. And I can't throw 90-80. It was just it, – it wasn't working. And, I mean, the year that he won the, the Cy Young note, thank you. You did great work, and I cannot take that away from you. Nothing gave me greater pleasure than knowing that Justin Verlander's wife had something to talk about, not about herself, and saying about how he got screwed again. You you did it. Great job. But since then, nightmare. I'm so glad he's gone. This team was going to go nowhere with Rick Porcello. Yes, we got an innings eater. But bye. I wasn't really a Porcello guy from the start. If you go back to that winter, let's see, that was the 2014 coming into 2015 uh, offseason. And I wanted Cole Hamill so bad. And that was the winner. Sherrington wouldn't give up anybody. And, you know, Porcello was brought in because he had a nice ground ball rate. So did Justin Masterson. So did uh, Wade Miley. That's why they came here. And, uh, you know, Sherrington apparently thought he was going to pull off this genius, you know, outside the box strategy. And that season was bad. But, Also, I remember a headline coming out the day before opening day in 2015, and it said that Rick Porcello wasn't going to negotiate an extension with the Red Sox once the season started because we were getting him for the final year of his deal. So when he said he wouldn't negotiate an extension, I laughed my ass off. I'm like, what is this guy with a career four-something ERA? What kind of leverage does he think he has? And I'm like, thank goodness he didn't get an extension. Next morning, 
Rick Porcello gets a four-year extension after the final year of his deal. I was so pissed. He sucked that year. They had to lie about an injury that summer just to get him out of the rotation, and the season was over by that point anyway. I think Lavello was even managing the team because Farrell was on his cancer leave. And I just thought, wow, this guy is just, oh, man. I was so mad, and I was still mad we didn't get Hamels, and uh, Sherrington got fired right around that time, and then Dombrowski came in, and and then, of course, the Cy Young year, and you had to you had to figure a week ago, they traded Porcello's catcher, <laughs> he's, he can't, he can't pitch to Vasquez, so maybe that should have been the writing on the wall, but, you know, Jason, you bring up the point where he is an innings eater, you know, he's not going to get injured, he's a body that can go out there and take bullets, you know, if you need him to. And and he did that, but he was just so frustrating because he could pitch a gem and then he could just get absolutely destroyed. And it was just an uncomfortable roller coaster. And I just, you know, I think we need to refresh the chemistry a little bit. And looks like Holt might not be coming back. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Um looks like Price won't be here. Porcello won't be here. I'm probably missing another player or two. Moreland and Pierce. So it's going to be a different team with a different vibe. And I think that's healthy. I think you need to do that every three or four years. And and we just got rid of a guy in Dombrowski who notoriously loves keeping the band together. <laughs> and Detroit's about to have their fifth consecutive non-competitive season and might have one or two more after this because of the damage Dombrowski did. So I'm interesting to see what, what High and Bloom does, but I personally won't miss Porcello. You know, I was entertained when he punched out the two TVs. Apparently he had a naked ice bath, you know, during the World Series, uh, you know, celebration there. Um, so he, he was a positive influence in the clubhouse, but... <laughs> He's going to an absolute dumpster fire of a team. And uh, I hope for his sake he has a good year and boosts his value and, and gets a you know a multi-year deal next year. But I'm not going to miss him. I, you know, just to interject, I remember you, because you, you've mentioned Cole Hamels before. More than once, this isn't the first time you've mentioned it. I like Cole Hamels. <laughs> You you just you, you got you you got you bought shares of them and I and I respect that. Now I was very frustrated and I wrote an article about this about how I said the Red Sox absolutely blew it by trading for Porcello in the first place because they got now no one could have ever predicted what was going to happen to Jonas Espedes and his injury history after the fact was an absolute nightmare. No one could have predicted that. But I thought at the time when they got rid of Jonas Cespedes for Rick Porcello, that was a really stupid decision because I would have rather had Jonas Cespedes that year than Rick Porcello. And the Red Sox, in their infinite wisdom, decided and thought, yeah, let's bring on Pablo Sandoval, someone whose numbers are getting worse as the years go on, who continues to suck every year. Let's bring him to Boston. You know what? We'll do you one better. We're not we're not going to bring over the Panda we're going to bring over someone that we trade to get Josh Beckett, too. We're going to get Hanley Ramirez. You know who we don't want to get? Max Scherzer. 
imagine if the Red Sox were just willing to do that in 2015. They had the means to do it, but that was their... Uh, Lucchino was still with the team that year, so you know they didn't want to spend the money because he was over 30, but... Here's here's another thing. This makes me want to puke every time I uh, I think of this. Lester was lowballed. He got he was offered seventy million over four years with the Red Sox. He said he was willing to take a discount before that offer. And the the comp that kept getting brought up through the media was Homer Bailey. If you just give him Homer Bailey money, he'll sign the extension. And Bailey signed, I think, with the Reds at the time for five years, $110 million. And Cole Hamels, coming into the 2015 season, was owed exactly $110 million. That was the balance of his Phillies contract. So that's $220 million for both Lester and... Uh, and Hamels, but then a year later, we pay almost that exact same figure to David Price, one pitcher who shits his pants in the postseason. Price got two seventeen, so for three million more, you could have had two proven postseason guys, and just the value there. And I get that Hamels wouldn't have been an ace with us, so to speak, but. He basically would have filled the void that we lost with Lackey. He would have given us John Lackey-type production, very stable, you know, with a robust offense that we have had, you know, over the last, you know, seven or eight years. I, I just think he would have he would have fit well here. and, and But instead we got Price and we got Porcello and – 2018 still happened, so, you know, we, we don't have a ton to complain about, but. You, you know what was amazing about Homer Bailey was after that contract that he got, which uh, was ridiculous because he was always bad, minus that year, he never lived up. It was the Kevin Brown contract, but worse. It was so bad. Two years he didn't play. And in one year, he won one game and lost 14. <laughs> Ouch. He got, like, all kinds of bad after that contest. It was, it was actually shocking was to see so, how bad it got. So bad. And he was injured quite a bit as well, wasn't he? He spent a lot of time he was on injured the deal. 15, so between 2015 and 2016, he started eight games, compiled a 2-4 and four record. The following two years, he pitches in 38 games, wins seven, and loses 23 with an ERA over 6.25 average. Ouch. Yeah, that's uh, not good. I think he did kind of get into a groove last season with Oakland, but of course. He did. Yeah, but it, like you said, just one of the worst contracts in, in recent memory. Um, but yeah, but well, the Lester contract worked out pretty good for the Cubs, though. I I was looking up some stats for you know Lester and I Verlander and Scherzer and Cole, and all of them, outside of their rookie year, all but one year of their career have started at least thirty games. And uh, Lester's just been a an absolute horse. So, um, you know, the just the Red Sox really botched that one. 
But anyway, so um, Porcello's gone, and you know, I I don't have any ill will, but I won't miss him. I think Charlie agrees. Jason will miss him a little. Maybe I'll miss him, you know, in July when we run out of bodies or whatever, <laughs> you know, because sales <laughs> on the DL and of all these arms falling off or whatever, you know, and we got Brian Johnson Again? in there. <laughs> I've, I don't know. I just come to expect it at this point. But um, so the Red Sox to counter the Yankees, Garrett Cole signing, uh, brings in Jose Peraza today, a uh, infielder who uh, comes from the Reds, who Homer Bailey was with. Um, I don't have his numbers up. I know 2018 was a really good season for him. Last year, he uh, kind of fell off, had, uh, what, a 239 average. His OBP was in the high twos, not great. So what do we need to know about Jose Peraza? Well, I guess the one benefit to him is he's still young. He's 25 years old. So I do like that aspect of it, that the Red Sox got younger. They didn't go out and get some aging middle infielder um, because they've already got one starting at second base. So they don't certainly need any more. But, yeah, I mean, Peraza's rookie year, um, or it wasn't his rookie year, it was his sophomore year, 2018, he was really good, 288 average, got on base pretty well, 326 on base percentage. Um, you know, he's, he's fast. He can steal bases. He can play multiple positions. Um, last year was tough. I mean, finished 239, actually ended up getting sent to the minors um, at the very end of the season, which he got sent to the minors by the Reds, who, you know, had nothing going on. You, That's a really bad sign. Um, but it's, you know, it's a one-year deal, $3 million. Um, so he's a young kid who, you know, wants to bounce back, wants to prove that, you know, he was – uh, worth all the hype when when he was first coming up with the Reds, he was a highly touted prospect. You know, he was someone that they thought would be on the right side of their infield for numerous years. Um, so it's a it's a nice kind of make good deal for him, and I think it's good for the Red Sox. I do wish they were just bringing back Brock Holt because you know what you get with Brock Holt, and I can't imagine he's going to make a ton more than three million. I don't. We'll see what happens with Holt, but you know, I feel like you could have spent a couple million more to keep that guy around, especially since I think he is a good clubhouse guy. And I think that does matter, especially when you're headed for what might be another tough year, but you know, he's Peraza is young. He's uh, versatile. And again, you know, he at one time had a ton of potential and a lot of hype around him. So this might be a good deal for him and the Red Sox. Maybe he comes in. I don't think Dustin Pedroia is going to play, more than 50 games i'll be shocked if he does because i just think i just think he's done um and i think shavis will probably see more time at first base than anywhere else so peraza might end up becoming a big part of this team and if he finds that potential like he had in 2018 then that could be good for the red sox so i'm cautiously we'll see what happens i think you bring up some some really great points um this guy's six years younger. He can steal bases. Uh, he is, like Brock Holt, incredibly versatile. Uh, he cannot pitch. He cannot catch. And I don't believe he can play first base. I think he's probably close to me at like five foot nothing. Um, Jose Peraza, I'm curious because he does not look like a big dude. He's six yeah. foot. Okay, so he's a lot. But um, known for a couple other things. I, I honestly think a part of it was just money. 
this guy's going to be getting three million plus incentives. Brock Holt was probably looking for something more. And in a year where the Red Sox are going to be penny pinching, that's going to make and break all the difference. Um, Peraza is younger, like you mentioned. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do. Uh, this is a great opportunity for Peraza to play in a bigger market, potentially get a multi-year deal after this. Maybe he can add playing first base to his repertoire and make a little bit more. Is he going to add the same punch that Mitch Moreland did? No. Is he going to get on base more? I hope so. So uh, this was a you can't hate it. You have to just wait and see what happens move. And we did it for the bargain price of a lot less than $324 million. This is probably one of the moves where you just kind of hope that this is going to be the, you know, the genius in high and bloom, you know, where he's bringing that Tampa Bay magic, you know, to the Red Sox. And, you know, a lot of those Tampa moves as they happen, I'm like, oh, geez, you know, that wasn't that sexy. But quietly, you know, they had a very balanced, productive roster. And, you know, so... I, hopefully that's what we get. I would have preferred Brock Holt for maybe a couple million more. As Jason said, I tweeted exactly that earlier. The The one thing, you know, about Brock Holt is he plays literally seven positions. And he probably would pitch in the eighth inning of a game that were ahead by 10 runs or down by 10 runs. And if you let him, I have heard him say his fastball does top out at 88, which puts him right there with Brian Johnson. But... Um, I, you know, and Holt is a good clubhouse guy. He's been extremely clutch off the bench. I'm going to miss him. I mean, I just think a guy like Holt just gives you so much stability. And hopefully we get it with uh, uh, Peraza. And, you know, so we'll just, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, you you got some pieces where we don't know if they fit yet. Jason, you mentioned Pedroia. I'm highly skeptical he even makes a, a start. They said he won't be ready until maybe June or July. He's got to give you several minor league games. I mean, they've just kind of rammed him through, and then he just couldn't, you know, couldn't stay healthy. I listened to a podcast with him. He was on Bradford's show, and he apparently his knee is a lot better. They did a lot more work to it, and he's working hard to come back. I'm extremely skeptical, but, you know, he's owed all that money, so, you know, what the hell. I'm not a Pedroia guy either, but <laughs> we we got bigger problems. Uh, so, yeah, um, a little bit of breaking news. This device died, so um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the Red Sox have signed... Martin Perez, I think he's a right-handed starter, uh, most recently from Texas, if you guys want to pull his stats up. Not a very good pitcher. His you know, ERA is well into the fours, and I think it was five-something uh, last year. His only decent season was 2013, and uh, but he does give a lot of innings, you know, much like Porcello does. So, um it just sounded like a move to make a move, you know. Porcello signs with the Mets today, so maybe this is the corresponding move, you know, that the Red Sox felt they needed to make. Any thoughts on him? I I know he sucks. I mean, I've I've 
taken him as a buy low guy in DraftKings quite a bit and got burnt. So, um, yeah. He had a, um, from what I remember, he had a decent first half with Minnesota last year. Um, but his numbers, he did not finish well. 10 and 7 with a 5.12 ERA in total last season. He's not a strikeout guy. He's not a velocity guy. He's just kind of like you said, he's an innings guy. Um, probably relies on ground balls. So I think that he's just kind of like another Wade Miley. You know, he's just going to be a guy that's on the back end of the rotation and you hope that. He can give you a lot of innings and an ERA that's respectable. But, yes, his career ERA is 4.72. I mean, that's so this is what you're getting. You're getting just kind of another Wade Miley, I think. But, again, you had to fill the spot that Porcello left with someone. So you kind of got a left-handed Rick Porcello from what it sounds like. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. What was the what? What's his uh, salary for? Did they announce it yet? Six million. Yeah. So another again penny pinching move. He yep. saved four million there. He saved two two million on Peraza. And not to say that they're uh, complete garbage. They're they're not bad, but they're you know not the best options. You know, eight and three before the All Star break, like you mentioned, great first half of the year. Then dumpster fire, two and five as he already rose by an entire run on the average, meaning it was worse than that to get to five point. Uh, I think it was five point two two. Did I see that five point one two? So um, does great against certain teams, but gets rocked against teams that he has absolutely no relationship with, or teams that he spent way too much time with. So basically. You're playing roulette with this guy. Another lefty option. The Red Sox love lefties. Um, and maybe this is a perchance. Maybe we needed another lefty because, well, David Price is on the way out. Maybe. Well, you know, where they did spend $9 million today, I mean, that probably means they do have a sense that they're going to make some moves here with at least one mm-hmm. of the big contracts. You could probably move Bradley easily. That's $11 million right there. Um, so we'll we'll see what, what happens there, but not uh, definitely nothing to, to be excited about. Uh, during the winter meetings, a couple, well, uh, you know, a couple of times throughout the week, the Astros cheating scandal got brought up. The commissioner basically gave an update that the investigation is still ongoing. It will probably go uh, beyond the new year. And they have 76,000 emails to analyze, a bunch of text messages. He also said that this is the biggest investigation they have undertaken. So I'm just... I'm extremely curious to see the uh, you know the penalties as far as just the the Astros go we'll get to core in a second but what's good enough for you guys like what's a good enough punishment for for Hinch and maybe the the organization in itself Jason what what are your thoughts I mean I think Hinch is he's absolutely going to get slammed with some kind of suspension um I don't know if I'm willing to say it should be the full season. That's in baseball. That's a lot to suspend a manager for 
a full 162 games feels like a lot, but they do keep reiterating that this is the biggest investigation we've ever undergone. This is one of the worst cheating scandals of all time in our sport. So if they really want to send a message, they might do what the NFL did to the Saints with that whole bounty gate thing and say, hey, head coach is gone for the whole year. Figure it out because we're not going to tolerate it. So I think if Hinch gets a massive suspension like that, I'll take it. I'd be happy with that. Is is a thirty day suspension? Is that enough? Or or no, is, no. So, it's it's got to be. I, I would say at the minimum, it's got to be at least half the season. It's got to be like eighty games, something like that, at the minimum. Okay. And Charlie, where are you at with this? Uh, two words here. Here, uh, I think anything short of half the season would showcase that Major League Baseball treats certain teams with. Uh, an unfair level of bias. Uh, if this was the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Cubs or, jeez, uh, I don't know, the Cardinals, the teams that have been relevant for well over a decade, minus a, a you know passing year and whatnot, uh, I, I think that this is this is going to be the opportunity for Major League Baseball to send a message and say this will not stand fact that this is only you know the, the second issue that we've we've caught how long has this gone on for we have no idea this could have been going on for years and only now are we catching up on it um so there there are unknown or unwritten team methods of getting an advantage but this is this is not baseball and uh if teams are resorting to something like this then you start to wonder Okay, well, whose numbers got inflated by how much? And is this going? Is this potentially not only the offense but the the pitching as well? So, are some of these pitchers getting little hints, tips, and tricks? Maybe Garrett Cole really isn't worth three hundred and twenty-four million dollars. There's there's kind of like a, a moral here. Uh, I'm, I'm just 81 games draft pick, send a message. This will not stand. This is unacceptable. Get it done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The draft pick has to be included too, because the, the Astros and all these teams, they love their draft picks. So that would absolutely send a message too. you take that away. Yeah. I, I would be extremely dissatisfied if, if Hinch got less than a full year. I mean, I think this is an, an egregious scandal. I think it was very brazen. And it directly led to them winning a championship. And that's that's just not fair to everybody else who, who did play fair. And also, you had the incident last year, well, I should say two postseasons ago when the Red Sox played them in the ALCS. Indians tipped us off. There's going to be a guy in the camera well field side opposite your dugout. He's going to be recording you. And he gets caught. He gets escorted out. And the Astros' reasoning was, was that they were recording us to make sure we weren't cheating. 
So, and MLB backed that. There was like a one-day investigation, then MLB comes out the next day. Yup, they were recording the Red Sox to make sure they weren't cheating. The investigation's over. That's it. And I just, I thought it was an insult to my intelligence. And I think, you know, where MLB backed them, they look a lot more stupid, you know, in the wake of all that we know now. And... I hope Major League Baseball is embarrassed and and that becomes a huge motivator to drop the hammer. I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, Buster Only. I, I get baseball content, you know, from everywhere. And a lot of insiders are saying they do expect something massive. So I just don't know what their definition of massive is. But less than a season, I would be disappointed. I would not be shocked if Jeff Lunau, the general manager, president, whatever he calls himself, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lifetime ban. We saw that happen with the Braves two or three off seasons ago where they were abusing the international signing pools. They had to forfeit a lot of high-end prospects and who I think were basically just re-entered the you know, pool or whatever. And he was banned for life. A.J. Preller of the Padres has gotten himself into a lot of controversy, had a 30-day suspension, will probably be banned for life, you know, if another controversy happens. So I think the same could happen for Lunau, but I expect him to have his punishment to be severe one way or the other. But I just... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And uh, with with Alex Cora and, uh, and Beltran, who, according to Ken Rosenthal, played central roles in this. So maybe that means they masterminded it. He doesn't use that exact keyword, but it, it looks like they did engineer the the whole scheme. So... What what do we expect to happen to Cora at this point, Jason? I mean, hopefully nothing more than, you know, a really heavy fine or maybe maybe he's him and Beltran get 30 game suspensions as opposed to what Hinch is going to get. But you do have to be concerned if you're a Red Sox fan, because if that reporting is true, that him and Beltran were, you know, central figures in this and they played a key role in it baseball is not gonna or they shouldn't let them off the hook that easy um so cora and beltran could both be facing suspensions um i wouldn't be surprised if it's 30 to 60 games for them because again if they were the the architects of this and hinch just kind of oversaw it then hinch will still get the biggest punishment but yeah they'll get hammered too and they could get 30 to 60 games charlie uh, I think if they receive nothing, um, it would really sour me on watching anything Alex Cora does going forward. And I love the Red Sox, but if uh, if they do what they did with the the last thing, and that's what I'm talking about with that unfair bias where they swept it under the wrong and the investigation la- lasted about – the length of the Titanic movie, uh, 
there are going to be teams that try even worse, more stupid, egregious ways of taking advantage of other teams that are not making the playoffs for the honorable reason, which is just not making it. Um, could I see Hinch Gang suspended a year? Probably not. Could I see him getting half a season? Sure. Could I see Cora getting the same thing as he was a known offender, potentially the main perpetrator, possibly close to the same thing? Um, if he gets anything less than 30 days, I'm going to be disappointed. And like you, I'm going to feel like my intelligence was insulted um, because I have thoughts. And uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. This is similar to, I feel like, the whole kneeling thing for some people in the NFL. Some people have completely stopped watching football because they are against players kneeling. Um is it the same thing? No. But to some regard, if you're saying it's okay to cheat, then you're opening the floodgates for all sorts of other things that could potentially happen. I think what the Red Sox are going to be looking at here is what happens with Luno. If he gets a lifetime ban or even a, a full-year suspension, I think High and Bloom might be a little nervous having a cheater in his dugout because he's going to be subject to the same suspension Luno is if Cora has some shenanigans going on. And I just feel like if Cora's suspension is going to be half the season, I just think at this point it just makes sense to get rid of him. The Red Sox are, you know, a, an image-conscious organization if we have like another 108 win season and maybe that was just a once in a lifetime thing but you know say we're exceeding 100 games 100 wins a couple seasons in a row we're going to be more heavily scrutinized because of Alex Cora's history and I just feel like he's a he's a huge liability and if if we're signing Martin Perez and we're going to have a transition year Let's, you know, let's see what Ron Renicky can do, who had a a pretty good track record in four years with the Brewers. Or if they want to do a managerial search before the season starts, that's fine too. But I don't think Alex Cora is a make or break guy. I wrote an article on this and he, he started following me the day after I published that. So I I don't know. I think he, he was probably checking to see if leaks had come out, you know, just from the Astros and might have stumbled on it that way. But um, but nonetheless, uh, I just feel like I would move on from him if, if his suspension is going to be lengthy. It's not the worst idea, yeah. I mean, the Red Sox do care about their image a lot. And as much as we all love Cora, and that love comes from the World Series in his first year because um, obviously we'd feel differently if his first two years were just as bad as last year was. But yeah, I mean, if he's going to get suspended 81 games and, you know, then you've got to deal with 81 games without him there. It's hanging over the team the whole time. It's a team that, like you said, is probably headed for a rough transition here. Um, so there's going to be enough going on anyway. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they said, you know what, Alex, like, we we can't we can't do this. You 
you brought this on yourself. You were part of the biggest cheating scandal in Major League Baseball history. Like, we can't have you as our manager. And they move on from him. That would not shock me at all. But I, I do think a lot of it depends on what the punishments will be for Loon Howe and, um, and what Major League Baseball decides, you know, how big Cora's involvement was and what they decide to do with him. Any other thoughts, Charlie? No, I, I think it's you. You, you know, it's a it's a good point. I haven't thought about it, like getting rid of him, sacking uh, Cora already. Um, I think the Red Sox, why they might not sack him, is because of that record-setting year. He was yet another Red Sox manager that came in year one, got the job done. So Francona did it in '04. Uh, John Farrell did it 2013. Um, Cora did it 17. I don't, I don't know if there was another Red Sox. There might have been another Red Sox manager that won in his first season. But, I mean, we've been lucky to see three of the four since 2000. You know, since 2000 began, three of those four World Series titles have been won by a manager in their first year. Could they completely change it up and get a new manager? Sure. I think the reason why he doesn't end up losing his job is because he won the World Series in 2017. You know, just to underscore one other thing, you know, Jason, you you just said, you know, it's one of the biggest scandals in the history of the league. And I agree with that. I think it is the biggest since the Black Sox scandal. I mean, one of the recent ones is Biogenesis, you know, where Rodriguez, Braun, Melky Cabrera all got caught up in that. And and I just feel like, you know, throughout the steroid era, you can't say that one or two guys taking steroids on your team led to a championship. I mean, maybe it did, but it's it's just harder to... It's just harder to lock that theory down. But when you go to this Astros scandal, all the players, all the coaches, the front office guys, the scouts, and the low-level guys that were beaten on the trash cans, like this, there were a few dozen people conservatively in on this, working systematically to make this work, and it led to a championship. I think that makes it one of the biggest scandals, if not the biggest. So, and the Red Sox manager might've been the mastermind of it. So we'll see what happens. I I mean, I'm intrigued to know what the, you know, punishments will be, but, um, just, uh, just a pretty stunning turn of events. Uh, we're basically at the hour mark. So, uh, just, a few more minutes Yankees get Garrett Cole. I really thought the Dodgers had a chance. I was kind of hoping that that would be the way it went. That way I could laugh at the Yankees fans and be like, nobody wants to join your sacred organization, you know, cause they all have this holier than thou, you know, you know, temperament on, on it. And, but we're going to face him for the next nine years. What's your thoughts, Jason? Yeah, it was it sucked to see that. I was I was hoping he'd go to the Angels or the Dodgers or just somewhere far away, not not right in our backyard in New York. There, um, certainly, it does make them 
the favorites in the AL East. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say it makes them, you know, an automatic World Series team. I think that's, you know, uh, maybe jumping on it too soon because I don't I still don't love the rest of their rotation. I think they still have a lot of questions in that rotation as it pertains to, you know, Severino's health and Tanaka and um, that now they're looking at shipping out Jay Happ. So, yeah, Cole definitely makes them scary um, and they were scary to begin with. But, you know, it, it it's not guaranteed. They seem to add a big name free agent every season and it's still been a decade since they won it. So we'll see. Cole, Cole definitely helped them. He's, you know, if he's as good as he looked and, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe the cheating helped him out a little bit too. We don't know. But if he is, then yeah, he's, they got their race. They got their guy. That's great. But uh, the American League got tougher. The White Sox got better. Um, the Angels are getting marginally better. The Astros are still going to be there despite everything that's about to happen to them. Oakland's still hanging around. You know, Tampa's going to be pesky. They're going to compete. I do think the Red Sox will compete as well. So, yeah, it, it was a huge signing for the Yankees, and it makes them very formidable. But I'm not ready to just pencil them into the World Series just yet. We'll we'll see how it goes. I think uh, Garrett Cole is a very interesting person to talk about. I think because of the team that he just came from, he becomes even that much more interesting and curious because you look at his first five years in the bigs were in the National League, which statistically speaking are the, it's, it's the better league if you're a pitcher because you again get that little cupcake putter every ninth time up. And he had one good year. One good year and four crappy years. And then he comes to Houston in the harder league and dominates. He goes from a 12-12, 4.26 ERA, 203 innings pitched with under 200 strikeouts, to a 15-5 record, sub 2.9 ERA, 200 innings pitched, just cracked it, and threw almost 100 more strikeouts. Following year, wins 20 games. ERA goes down again, throws a couple more innings, throws an additional 50 strikeouts. So do I think he's a cheater? I don't know. Is he a really good pitcher? Absolutely. Few people can touch that fastball, and I can't take that away from him. Um, Was I shocked that the Yankees got him? No, because the Yankees have not been the Yankees for a very long time. And after they got Giancarlo Stanton, which completely blew up in their face, has not lived up to a dollar of that contract, they needed to do anything to be relevant. Because if you're a Yankees fan and you do nothing, or if you're a Yankees ownership, you do nothing for those fans, they're gonna start they're gonna start to question if you really wanna win. They've won how many World Series titles since two thousand? One. That's it. One, and they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars. And the year that they won, they opened up the purse and they just said, you get hundreds of millions of dollars and you get hundreds of millions of dollars. And they got it done the Yankee way. This is them going back to the way that George did it. They're doing something that very few teams, if any, are willing to do. Can I justify spending $36 million annually to a guy who's going to pitch? On the, who's 30 years old, he's going to be playing 
you know, four or five years from now, he can opt out. Is he going to opt out of that? You think he's going to leave over $145 million on the table? You are out of your mind. The Yankees, this contract could not have been more stupid but smart at the same time. Smart in the sense that no one's going to have – you don't have to face Garrett Cole for the next nine years. That's really good. Why does this suck? Because at age 36, 37, 38, 39, he's going to be making over a million dollars per start. And that's assuming he doesn't get injured or miss any significant time. Yankees are contenders. There's no question. But guess what? If you don't win a minimum of two World Series in the next nine years, you failed miserably. You guys make, you know, good points, um, you know, especially where, you know, what's he going to be like, you know, in the Yankees pitching program? Can he sustain the dominance? You know, whatever. I will point out that Charlie Morton seemed to do it with the Rays and was a top three. Cy Young guy, so, um, but I think he, I, I think his durability is, is going to be good, you know, much like Scherzer's has been, Verlander's for much of his 30s, I mentioned John Lester earlier, I think he's going to be of that ilk, a lot of, you know, baseball people rave about his mechanics, he takes good care of himself, so that's good, I think it's, I think it's, uh, he's a good, it's a good contract, but where the issues come is, is it a good contract for the Yankees where they're currently at with their payroll? And I don't think it is. The Yankees were over the luxury tax last year. Luxury tax threshold, $208 million. They They checked in at 223 So they went over it, you know, and, and this year will pay, you know, the 20% for the first year. With his signing, it's gone from 223 to 249 at last check. They did sign Gardner today, so I don't know if that shoots it up already. I, I don't. Admittedly, I'm not. I'm not great when it comes to, you know, the the numbers in that regard. But I mean, it should be around 260. So they're going to be what's that? 52 million over the threshold. So they'll they'll take the thirty percent tax, and then next year, I can't imagine they're going to get below it. I know they are trying to get rid of Jay Happ, but he's thirty seven, thirty eight years old. I just don't see it happening without them eating, you know, probably half the contract. I don't think they can get rid of Stanton. I don't think anybody's going to touch that with a ten foot pole with eight years remaining. I just don't see where the money is going to come off and. I know they do lose Tanaka next year. Ellsbury will mercifully be off their books. They'll lose Paxton, maybe Britain, but they're going to have to replace these guys as well, you know, and maybe the dollar amounts won't equal what's coming off, but I just, I still don't see them getting below it. So if they're going to stay above it for three straight years, that's a 50% tax. And Judge and Sanchez aren't even making big money yet. And you you got to think they're going to at least try to keep Judge. I can see them trading Sanchez at some point. But if they were to extend Judge, let's say, just say he gets, uh, just to make the math easy, let's say he gets a 10-year, $30 million contract. 
uh, excuse me, uh, 300 million. So that would be 30 million a year. The 50% tax on that makes it a $45 million a year contract until they can get under it. It's just not sustainable. And I think that, I just think that the timing was bad for them to make an investment like that. If they would would have been willing to give up Clint Frazier and Miguel Andahar in 2017, they could have got him then and at least had him on cheap money and maybe stayed away from Stanton or maybe stayed away from Hap or maybe got the got the payroll in order. But I think Cashman just gets sick of playing second fiddle and, and he made the move and it was an emotional move. And, you know, he seemed to have a philosophy where if he had a great bullpen in an explosive lineup, that would offset a mediocre rotation, and that failed. And now he's got Cole. And so from a Red Sox perspective, I'm a little bit of an optimist. And I know the CBA is going to come up. The negotiations are going to get started, and maybe the threshold gets higher or – Maybe they get rid of it. I doubt that'll happen, but I just I don't think I don't think it was uh, the right timing for the Yankees to do this. And Garrett Cole has said he's all about winning, and if that's the case, he really should have signed with the Dodgers because their payroll situation is in order. They got a great core, and I think that's a team that could win. And we'll see what they do. The, they, they're they looking at Mass and Bumgarner. They're connected to Dylan Betances. And, and one other point about the Yankees as well. While they are astronomically above the threshold, they're probably going to be more active doing trades. So being that high above the threshold is just going to weaken their farm system because they're going to have to they're going to have to eat up some of their trade capital. And as of tonight, they are negotiating with the Brewers for Josh Hader. So it's already beginning. You know, they're already going to start losing prospects. And so that's where I'm at as far as the Cole signing goes. They're they're doing it the Yankee way, which is you're not doing it with the farm. You're doing it by buying all of the talent. And in the 90s, when I started really, really paying attention to baseball, I was like, so it's the Yankees versus Major League Baseball, because their salary—it uh, was like a hundred. It was something crazy. I was like, "Oh my god, this team is a hundred and fifty or one hundred and sixty million. I'll put the Tampa Bay Devilries are at eighteen million, and they're competitive." I remember Alex Rodriguez at one point had a higher annual salary than the entire Tampa Bay Rays team combined. What? And. This is what's happening. Now, is Garrett Cole going to be making more than some teams combined? No. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, uh, you look at some of the teams that are, are built to do well uh, going forward. Dodgers are in great shape. Uh, the one thing that is going for the Yankees, kind of, is the fact that uh, Aaron Judge – Gary Sanchez and Gliber Torres aren't due big contracts until 2023, 2024, which is when some of those other bigger contracts are going to be off. By then, 2023, 2024, Giancarlo Stanton will either be out of the game entirely or not wearing a pinstripe uniform. So that's one. Uh, Hap won't be there anymore. 
Cole will still be there. Um, some of the other names that uh, people know in New York, they probably won't be there either. The Yankees will have to blow up their team in order to maintain keeping one of those two stars. There's no way they're keeping Gliber Torres and Aaron Judge in the future. It cannot happen. And that's another excellent point. I mean, Judge has three years left before, um, you know, free agency. And his last year of arbitration, though, will probably be a lot like Mookie's, where Mookie is projected at $27 million. So he's only got two more really relatively cheap seasons left. He's projected $6 million this year. Probably will double or triple that next year, depending on how big of a year he has. But also consider this, just with their current situation, their corner infield, not very well settled right now. You got Andahar and Urshela on the third base side and maybe Voight or Mike Ford on the on the right side. They could probably find an adequate, you know, solution between them, but nothing, you know, nothing lights out. And then with the with the outfield, that's kind of unsettled as well because Stanton's probably going to DH at this point for the most part. And then you got Gardner, pretty reliable there as far as durability. And then you got Judge, who has spent significant time the last two seasons on the on the injured list. So, I mean, he's 6'7", 280 pounds. We don't really know, you know, what to expect of him, you know, as the years pass. And, and other than that, I mean, who do they have? Hicks, who's recovering from Tommy John and could likely pull his hammy. You know, two weeks after coming back, extremely injury prone, terrible deal. You know, they didn't learn anything from the Ellsbury deal to give Hicks a seven year deal. And he's only exceeded 100 games twice in his career. That's just, you know, that just that right there is the perfect example of why I think Cashman is one of the most overrated GMs in the league. And. You know, and they got Clint Frazier as well, but he's a defensive nightmare. And he, every time he opens his mouth in front of the camera, the fan base wants to kill him. You know, so they got some issues in the outfield, the corner infield, and and that's going to need to be addressed. But Jason, what were you know? Yeah, it, it was funny I, when you mentioned Aaron Hicks. I was actually just looking at his contract. It's it's horrible. I mean, <laughs> seven years. 70 million he's due to make 12.5 million in 2026 when he'll be 36 years old and who knows if he's even going to be playing by then um yeah i i agree i think they're about to make a stupid mistake at third base because it sounds like they're going to trade andahar and they're going to go with Gio Urshela as a third as their full-time third baseman because he had one good season with them last year after really doing nothing with the Indians his entire career. And they're going to bank on Urshela hitting 330 again, like he did in the second half of last season. And it sounds like they're going to ship out Andahar because, um, you know, they, they still need to get bullpen help and starting pitching help. And he's going to be one of the young guys that, like you talked about, he's, you know, even though he played a full season, he's still one of their young talents from the farm system that they're just going to get rid of. Because, you know, hey, we got Gio Urshela, and, you know, we believe in that. And they're going to get rid of Andahar for pitching help, and that'll just be another young bat out the door. I think Clint Frazier at some point is going to get traded because I just don't think he's going to work out there, and they're not going to find a spot for him. 
So that's another young talent that'll go out the door. So there's still a lot of questions around them, and most of them goes to the starting rotation. Sure, Garrett Cole is great. Okay, there's your number one. James Paxton's probably your two. He's okay. He, he didn't exactly light the world on fire like they thought that he would when they traded for him, and he's only got one year left on his deal anyway. Um, Tanaka's elbow is a ticking time bomb. So at some point, like he's, he's a year older and I don't know. I just, I think that he's wildly inconsistent. Severino, they thought was going to develop into an ace and then he got injured and then he got fat, um, and just was ineffective last season. So yeah, they still have a ton of questions. Like things are not, they're not a hundred percent bound for the playoffs or the world series just yet. They, they've got a lot of stuff to clean up. So, um, congrats on Garrett Cole, I guess, but you know, they, they still got a lot of issues to address. Yeah. And I'm it's, again, curious as to what type of baseballs they're going to be hitting this year, because last year, I mean, July 1st came around and there were, six or eight guys right around 30 and i'm like holy geez like all these guys are gonna break maris's record in the same season and and the better home run months were just starting you know july and august when it gets hotter the balls tend to fly and then nobody got there i think pete alonzo hit what 53 or something like that and and that was the most yeah so the balls changed the balls changed in the second half and you know, I'd rather have normal baseballs. The the strikeout and home run ball that we saw the first half, I'm just not into it. I like the base hits. I like the base running, the stealing, the small ball. I just, I think that's more exciting. So, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that impacts the Yankees, you know, if at all. Obviously, Judge is still going to mash at least 35, but, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other big signing, I'm not going to get into the Strasburg. I mean, he, he went home and, you know, that's obviously a good fit for him. Uh, but the other Mm -hmm. big signing is, uh, Anthony Rendon to the angels. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts? Yeah. My thought was basically, okay, congrats on getting Rendon. You still kind of suck. Um, (laughs) they still, (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, great. You paid all this money for Rendon. who's really good. He's an awesome player and you know, congrats, but, uh, yeah, you've got him and trout and then who else? I mean, I don't even know who their number one starter is. Well, they got pool halls who I think turned 60 pretty quick. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. They're still paying him. So, um, and you know, hopefully Otani comes back and, you know, is able to stay healthy and, you know, produce for them. But yeah, their rotation still absolutely stinks. They, their bullpen is just as bad. Um, and their lineup outside of Trout, Otani and Randon leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, and Jolton Simmons is good. He's, you know, he's decent. He's more known for his defense, really. Um, I know they're high on this Fletcher kid at second base, but Again, he seems like just kind of an average hitter to me. So, yeah, I mean, Rendon's awesome, and hopefully, um, you know, he does, he provides well for them, but they're still going to finish third, maybe even still in last place in their division. They're, they're just still not a good team. And they got Upton, who can mash, but will probably have at least 200 strikeouts. So, yeah. uh, which is a, a, a big contract and a, and a terrible one, but. What were your thoughts, Charlie, when uh, you saw the headline that 
Rendon is going to Anaheim. You know that uh, there's like a little video, like one of those clips where you just see the guy banging his head on the side of the airplane because there's like someone screaming or like there's something happening. I remember being on a flight where these two kids are screaming and all you see is this guy, his eyes are like bloodshot. and He looks at me, he just motions to like bang his head against the airplane. And that's literally the reaction that I had when I said that I said, what are you doing? What is going through your mind? You have Albert Pujols. You have Mike Trout on your team. You just added Rendon. Fletcher is up and coming. You have Cole Calhoun, who's also on the team, who did really well last year. Your best statistical pitcher, I'm sorry, the leader with wins last year is no longer with us. <laughs> That's how their pitching staff is. And I hate to say it like that, but they are thinking that buying offense is going to win win the season. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, pitching wins ball games. Your rotation, Andrew Heaney, four and six record, four point nine one ERA, eighteen games played. Jaime Barraria, or Barria, four and ten. Uh, uh, 6.42 ERA, 13 started games, 19 total games. You have Griffin Canning, who I was really high on. 5-6 and six record, 4.58 ERA, 17 games started. Tyler Skaggs, who has since passed, 7-7, seven seven, 4.29, 15 games started. One starting pitcher of those guys exceeded 100 strikeouts. I'm sorry, am I missing something? I think I think what's going on here is the owner Artie Moreno loves to get involved. I think he's the Jerry Jones of MLB, and his kids need to just send him away and let some baseball people make some decisions. I just they needed pitching in the worst way, and I think I think players know that the organization is stupid. I think they I just think that they they feel like if they go there they have no chance to win and I just they need pitching so bad and they could have for what they paid for Rendon they probably could have got Bumgarner and Ryu and at least had a semblance of a rotation but they they got Rendon, and I'm like, it's just so tragic on so many levels because Mike Trout's never going to win a World Series. It's just not going to happen there. They haven't won a single playoff game since he turned pro, and they made the playoffs once, and they got swept. I think that was by the Royals that year. And so they've never won a playoff game in the Mike Trout era, and they're just not going to get there. And... Rendon, I mean, he just went from an organization that was a perennial powerhouse, and I know they they were a dumpster fire in the playoffs up until this year, but he's never going to win another one. He's just going to waste away. It's just so tragic, and I couldn't even believe Madden wanted to go there. I'm like, you're, dude, you just came from, the Rays were a brilliant organization, and Epstein, I don't know what the hell happened over there. They made some really bad moves with Hayward, Darvish, um, 
Chatwood, I think his name is. Uh, just a ton of really, really bad moves. Um, you know, but they did, you know, still get a World Series. I just, that's just such a trash organization. And I couldn't believe that Rendon wanted to go there. You know, and the the Rangers wanted him, and that's close to home for him, and would have been an interesting destination. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> the Angels are are terrible. I can't believe their fan base is just even into it, and they they get a lot of fans into that stadium that just faithfully follow that team. And I'm like, you guys just don't even know. Yeah, I mean, they still they may not they might not even win eighty games next year, even they're, with Rendon. And they're not. They're not all, yeah, they won't do it. They won't have a starter that gets uh, twelve wins. I, I, I'll say it right now. Um, I, I will be more than willing to place a bet over under eleven and a half wins. They don't get it. Uh, 80, 80 wins over over seventy nine and a half. I'm saying under. They they're, they they can't do it. You can't. You, their pitching staff is going to fall apart, fall apart worse than Boston's did this year. We had like two and a third starters this season. I, I think like beginning of August, we're like, yep, we're going to have our relievers do two innings a day. You can easily make the case that they're probably a fourth place team at best. I know Houston's a mess right now with the controversy, but still got a pretty good team that's going to compete. I feel the same way about Oakland. Texas, you know, showed some life last year. If they can kind of make some moves, Lance Lynn had a resurgence. Mike Miner, you know, had a had a nice season. So I mean, I think Texas easily could could beat them. And <laughs> I just, yeah, I was really surprised at that one. I, I thought he would uh, end up either with Texas or or maybe the Dodgers or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I, my device died, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna boldly assume nothing's happened uh, as far as the Red Sox went with their uh, big day with uh, Peraza and Perez. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts before we wrap? No, I was uh, I was actually just looking up the Rangers depth chart because I want to see it, is it actually possible, and it is. They have more pitching than the Angels. They just added Kyle Gibson, who, you know, again, not great, but he'll at least get them eight or nine wins. Um, They've still got Meyer. They've still got Lynn. Like, the the Rangers notoriously never have pitching. If the Rangers have more pitching than you, you really (laughs) suck. Like, that's that's really bad. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Angels finish in last place. And and Rendon's just going to waste away there. He's going to, you know, he's going to put up great numbers, but it's it sucks. It's he should have gone somewhere else. I think they'll still beat Seattle. You know, they're just not really trying at the moment. Just trying to, you know, build the farm. Any uh, any final thoughts, Charlie? No, I mean, it, I think it's just cute. You see, the uh, the Angels had only one guy exceed 100 strikeouts. The Texas Rangers had two that hit 200 or more. Granted, Mike Miner got a cupcake 200 strikeout. Shouldn't happen, but it did. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I did ever, yeah. Uh, that, I thought that was complete BS, and that should never have happened. There should be an asterisk next to that 200. And the Texas Rangers had a closer that exceeded, uh, had 100 strikeouts. So... 
how bad does your pitching have to be that another team's closer who no one even knew about before 2019, Jose LeClerc, I'm pretty sure he's been in the league less than three years total. Yeah, he's a young guy. 16. I rest my case. This guy has been – he's been good for the last two years, but if a closer on another team has more strikeouts than someone in your starting rotation or everybody in your starting rotation, you need to start spending some money – in the starting rotation. Los Angeles, I hope you're watching. You need pitching. Oh, it's okay, though. They added Dylan Bundy. That'll fix everything. Oh, they got Bundy? Give him the series. Give it to him. Yeah, he could get 150 strikeouts. But, he. I mean, he could have uh, Chris Tillman syndrome, though. You know, just be a flash in the pan. But, uh, yeah, and he has a serial killer, you know, last name, so... Um, all right. Well, uh, I don't know when the next show will be. It could be soon. Typically I just wait for a development to happen, you know, and, uh, we go by that. So we'll, uh, see who's available to record on that night. So I would expect uh, a show pretty soon though, especially if price gets moved, maybe Mookie gets moved. You know, his market has been kind of quiet. You know, unless maybe he gets packaged in with price, who knows? But uh, we'll see everybody uh, within the next, you know, several days, and and uh, take care.